What does it take to reach your ultimate business goals, your outcomes? Here on the Tactic Podcast, we are your team of like-minded business executives dedicated to motivating and helping you take action, adapt, and grow so you will realize your ultimate potential. Find out what's next from those who are already living it, your peers who have been there and done that with practical, tactical actions that will help you align towards your ultimate outcome, goals and intermediate steps, and the mile markers along the way that will help you get there. We are glad to have you join us today for our deep dive. We have Jacob Grady with Surface Experts with us today. And let me introduce the panel. First off today, we have Glenn Hansen. Glenn is with One Accord for over a decade, and he's an expert in operations and sales and turnarounds, organizational growth and transformational leadership. He spent over a decade running the West Coast for Best Buy. Also today, we have John Carpen. He is an expert with transformational leadership, technology and managed services, M&A. He's worked for companies like Toyota, M&M Mars, and T-Mobile. He also has been both a franchisor and a franchisee. Next, we have Darren Leonard. He's an expert when it comes to strategic planning and operations, turnarounds, organizational growth and cultural development. And Darren's been CEO of Dream Dinners, a national food franchiser. Joseph got great experience when it comes to organizational agility. He's written two books on the subject, got a lot of experience in healthcare and high tech. He's done keynote speaking. Glad to have everybody with us today on the panel. And now let's meet Jacob Grady with Surface Experts. Jacob has started Surface Experts back in 2018 after working with a nonprofit internationally uh, in Colombia, learning the idea of making small surface repairs and bringing that company to life in Spokane, Washington, where it is headquartered. He has uh, transformed that into a franchisor. Jacob, tell us a little bit about background in terms of uh, surface experts, what you do, and um, the clients that you work with. Surface experts specializes in spot repair of damaged hard surfaces, interior hard surfaces. So what that means is our customers are, we're 95% B2B. We work with um, property management companies, hotels, moving companies, builders. Uh, we do small surface repair. So if you move an appliance and you tear your vinyl floor, we go out and repair just that spot. If uh, you know, you're a maintenance guy at a apartment complex and someone moves out and they burn their laminate countertop, we go out, repair just the burn. So we have like a proprietary five-step process. We match substrate, which is your filler, color, design, texture, and sheen on all the repairs. But we do small surface repair. So we don't resurface, we don't replace. We're the only company in the nation that does this. And so we have this really great niche, which is wonderful. Our biggest strength is our biggest weakness, right? We, we got to educate people because most people are thinking complete replacement or complete resurface of their floors or counters or bathtubs. So um, we're a franchisor. We're franchising this concept uh, based on the business that I had in Portland. And I can't take credit. Friends of ours actually came up with this idea and put it together. And we kind of added, continued to add services to it. And, um, and then we've been franchising this. Since uh, we sold our first franchise, like I said, back in April of 2019, and we're at 25 franchises right now, and we're looking for people that obviously align with our values and understand the, um, at least in the beginning, understand what it takes to start a small business, right? And so we're still very much in the, we're new, a new concept, you know, with only 25 open franchises, we're, we're still pretty young. Great. And overview in terms of revenue at this point and what a typical franchisee uh, looks like from a revenue standpoint? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm trying to find out what's typical. So we have um, 
I think six franchises have been open for a year or more. Um, the oldest one being like a year and a half. And I would say, you know, month one, you're looking at two to two to $4,000 in revenue. And, um, you know, as it continues to go up, we have a franchisee, our best franchisee in the system right now is getting close to 40,000 a month in revenue. And it's really in between. We have a lot of people that are in that, you know, 8,000 to 16, 17,000 a month range. But we're very small, like low overhead. We have a vehicle. Our average cost of goods is roughly 2.5%. You know, we're using a tablespoon of product. So it's labor mostly that is our, our expense. All right. Good margins. Yeah, great margins. Like, yeah, we had like 37% was on our item 19 in our FDD. Super. Jacob, what would be an ideal outcome for you today that we can help you with? Maybe managing my time because that's in my control. You know, managing my time well, and I'll, 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 I can talk through the challenges that come with that. Um, there's, you know, yeah, so there's challenges with that. Uh, and then also helping franchisees hire and retain talent well. And, and Glenn has actually, like I said, helped us out. I could tell you where we've kind of come with that. But still, um, there's this legal sticky ground in world of franchising where we cannot at all be construed as the employer of the franchisees' employees. So we have to like draw clear lines where we basically need to give tools to our franchisees. Our franchise owners need to have the tools to hire well and retain those people. Um, and we can't, we can't get involved in like the actual interview process. I'm interested to know, what's your end game? What where do you want to take this uh, by the time that you're ready to move on to something else or take, have an exit? And uh, do you see it being all franchise or do you see any corporate owned growth? You know, I go back and forth on that. You know, on one hand, um, the idea of a, you know, an exit at some point sounds really appealing, especially on hard days. Um, but the, you know, it's, I, I also, I, I built up a business and I sold a business before and I realized how much I missed working with people. And so as much as my dream of having a farm one day is really appealing, I, I you know, I love, I love working with people and it's also really challenging, but I love it. And I think building, I'm a builder. I like building things. So it's really difficult to say what's going to happen. I, the day vacillates. Sometimes an exit looks really good. Sometimes I love the idea of being able to bring in, um, you know, doing some sort of transition, whether that would be, I don't know, an employee buyout or bringing in a family member or whatever. I don't know. Um, but it, generally that's like 10 years out, Joseph, to your point, like I'm thinking, Hey, we're 10 years away from anything like that. You know, we started in 2018, maybe 2028. We'll, you know, obviously before then start thinking about that, but it's, we're in, I feel like survival. I, I have this constant sense of urgency. Like we got to, we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get better. And so I try to take a step back from some of that long-term vision sometimes because it can, you, my mind will just go there. You currently have an objective for like how many franchises you want to have in the next one, three, five years. Yeah. Yeah. So our five-year goal, which would be, you know, 2024 is 125 franchises. We set some goals for this year to sell 24 franchises. And, you know, obviously with COVID, it's been a challenge for more like, I think we're at 12. Yeah, let me come into your house and repair your surfaces in COVID. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> like in the, the, it's challenges just 
we can sell people when they're there, right? If like the office at the apartment complex is closed and no one's around, you know, it's who do you sell to? So the people that we have relationships with, it's great. We can show up and do work there all day long. But So Jacob, yeah. you, you mentioned that one of the challenges you have is managing your time. Can you give us some background uh, overview of what the organization looks like today? Yeah. There's myself and I'm kind of involved directly with a lot of the franchisees helping them out. Um, we have an internal, what's called support center, which is a call center. And we have um, uh, three people that work at that. One's the call center lead. And that takes all the inbound calls for all our customers and um, helps answer questions for franchise, franchise owners, like helps out with their, if they have invoicing or whatever questions. They do all the scheduling for all the jobs. And then um, my sister, Erin, who uh, is super sharp, really lucked out. She is our director of sales um, and training. And she, she brings a, a great background of direct sales. She also did the door-to-door book sales that Jeff Rogers and myself and all my sisters did. We all, we all drank the Kool-Aid. Um, and the, um, we have Greg. Uh, he is our controller. And he kind of, he's our controller, but he also has sort of a hand in operations, um, really good at like systems and processes. Um, we have Otis, who is our director of technical support and training. By technical, we mean technicians or techs in the field. And, um, and then my dad is involved loosely. He's kind of retiring for the third time. You know, he's had a lot of different businesses. So he comes in and helps out from just a larger kind of like, a, you know, giving us wisdom and guidance where to go. And we have another lady who is our um, regional accounts uh, sales. So, she, we, you know, we say regional because we're not, we're not big enough to be national yet. But she really goes after larger accounts and sales and connecting uh, our franchise owners with uh, local reps from these larger accounts. Oh, and we have a franchise, we have a franchise development side of things. That's quite good to mention. We have, they're a different company, but they work, they represent us. And there's three people that handle all the vetting for incoming. They've been doing this for, you know, years, whatever, but they're the ones that really got us going. I mean, we would have, obviously been nowhere without them. They know the game. They know how to sell franchises, vet people, what to look for, at least red flags. So they generally work through brokers, Jake? Most of them, yeah. Yeah. And we have like a couple organic leads here and there, but it's almost entirely through broker networks. Have you have you begun to get franchise leads from your existing franchise fees? Yeah, referrals. Yeah. We have we have had a few, um, but we haven't closed any. So I'm going to ask one last question, then I'll uh, in this in this string of questions, and I'll turn it over to others. Um, have you forecasted forward three to five years? And and this is the this is the the litmus test, the stress test of your franchise system, right? Once your franchisees mm-hmm. know how to match color, how to apply, how to how to match texture and sheen. Um, do they get to the point, Jacob, where they don't need you anymore and the royalty stream becomes a burden? Or are you, what is your plan to provide continued value that justifies it? Because that's, yeah. that's when the litigation starts. Yeah, no, that's like the heart of every franchise issue, right? What have you done for me lately? Yep. That is like, I've heard that from day one. So 
a big part of what we're trying to do to stay ahead of that is continuous training. So training on how to sales, like sales coaching and sales training is a big part of it. Whether they're crushing it or they're not doing very well, it's continuous sales training, training for their people, and then adding new services. So this year in January, we're going to roll out a new service with like uh, six different franchises on carpet spot repair. Uh, we don't do carpet currently. And um, it fits well within like the niche of multifamily, which is like our bread and butter. And so that is the um, continuing to provide new services, new support, and trying to stay ahead of that. Um, what have you done for me lately? So like our support center, people are saying, you know, you've already heard, hey, I paid 4%. What do I get with that? And I was like, well, let me tell you what you can get. Man. You work out what the cost would be if they were doing it themselves. And then you say, hey, we're making outbound calls for you. So we can statistically point to a number and say, hey, last week or last month, we brought in $4,000 into the system on outbound calls. So how, there's how actual you, numbers associated with that. Let's talk uh, here a little bit more about some of the challenges that Jacob's got with regard to time management. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, what, what, what's, your, what's your job description? <laughs> Where does your time go? Everything. That's what I got. Now, um, it's become better and better. I think um, a, a big part of where I spend my time is talking to franchise, it, it, you know, and it, it depends on the cycle of the month with trainings each month, um, that cycle changes, you know, but if I were to put my time into kind of major buckets, one would be conversations with franchises, franchise owners, talking to them about challenges they're having with a employees or sales or helping them, you know, like just kind of a lot of, I try to touch base with three to five franchises a week, you know, and that's just, it could be a set call or it could be a, you know, Hey, just thinking about you, wondering how you're doing. Okay. And then, um, so I do time with them working with our support center and Hey, how are we supporting our franchisees? What are different ways that we could be doing it better, more efficient, you know, like working with processes of how we take calls, log those calls, put them into our system, spend a lot of time on our, you know, working with our team on better ways to troubleshoot our software. Cause, you know, working with our, our direct team, corporate team here. So whether we're working with Greg and we're talking about financials and like growth, where we're seeing growth in what markets and talking with those franchise owners and trying to glean best practices. Every Friday we do a weekly wrap up call where we go through, we share good news. We talk about, um, you know, news that's happening around the franchise system. I think a lot of what I end up spending my time, I mean, there's travel, a lot of like, you know, probably a week a month where I'm on the road helping with uh, launches. I think the biggest challenge is, you know, and I know it's a myth and it's, it's a challenge. It's hard for me to get over, but as I want to be able to answer the questions for franchisees and help solve the problems. And um, it's taking the time and really training people super well to take over things that I kind of am touching, you know, I'm touching a lot of different things, right? Like really typical founder involved in a ton of different things. So that's a challenge. One challenge I have in my mind is like, how do I replicate myself and still provide a service? Cause I think it'd be really good. We're getting to that point where we need to start doing site visits. Like we need to have someone out visiting each franchise once a year. Can't, and it can't be me. Like I just, mm -hmm. I'm already traveling too much. So what, what if you didn't it, grow? Yeah. What, what is driving the growth targets you gave us? Is it uh, you know, personal vision? Uh, are there other things at play? Uh, you know. Well, so two things. One, yeah, personal vision. Like I don't, I'm not in this to like, um, no, I want to like swing for the fence. 
Like mm. that's where we want to go. And it's not because I want to have like this like grandiose. And this goes back to your question, Darren is like, I, I do vacillate between having that big vision, but I don't want to be like that guy, Adam from WeWork. And then like, you know, painting some huge grandiose vision and then like a can't deliver or B it just was like so overinflated that I'm like, eh, maybe I shouldn't share that. And in franchising, you really do have to grow. You chase growth. Go back to your question about your, your time. So you said conversations with franchisees, working with the support center, working with corporate folks and travel. That's where most of your time is spent. Is there any and, other? It worked. Yeah. Working on initiatives. What's a, what's an example of an initiative that you're working on? Um, so it could be as simple as, outlining the roles and responsibilities of the support center. So like our support center lead put together sort of like a rough outline of what that is. And then I'm taking that and, you know, outlining that and um, putting it into a clear, clear understanding in a document that our franchisees will see and know exactly what the support center is doing, what the expectations are, and get everyone on the same page. So that's one. Uh, other ones are, um, I'm just thinking of the current ones right now, the carpet training, like outlining not just the training of how to do carpet repairs, because Otis is doing a lot of that, is creating marketing material and working with our marketing um, vendor on creating marketing material for that, right? So when we actually do the training, we have all the marketing material up and ready and ready to go to roll out with the, um, for the new service. All right, another one is just like our software. So this is like a big pain point and it kind of comes in waves and no pun intended. It's called work wave service, but it does come in waves. It's like, sometimes it's like not that big a deal. And then at other times I'm just, you know, like we got to figure this out and it's hard right. because it's completely out of my control. So with, with your, with your time right now, what one, have you thought about bringing someone in to start grooming them to do some parts of your work? And, and two, which parts of, of these six things or five things that, that we just listed out, would you, could you hand off the easiest? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, this is a challenge. Um, if I can hand off the traveling, I would, I would love to hand that off because it's a huge time suck. Um, but then the question is, uh, that person has to get proficient in doing sales. And then there's, we've talked about operations, like bringing on somebody who's more operationally minded. Um, and that's where, I don't know if we have like a, we don't have a full-time position for that person quite yet. Like I don't, we're not at a point where that is a, yeah, like that's a 40 hour a week position or whatever, you know. You said, Greg, your controller so, does operations and is good yeah. Um, yeah, he's great at processing. I haven't built franchises before. I look to you guys who have done that. It seems to me that systems are the heart of franchising, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, that operations element, finding a person who's awesome at that, I can see that easily becoming a, a full time position to pull work off of your plate. I think the the question the question Joseph that I have is is it is it actually for a company that's two and a half percent in their cogs. Um, I, I actually am not sure it's operations that's the issue, it's more technology. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and the application of ultimately, every question I ask is through the lens of preparing you for the challenges five years from now. <laughs> what, is, 
What is your strength, Jacob? If I asked your sister, if she was on the phone today, what would she say you're better at than anybody else? I think relationally, I'm strong relation, like relationships, building relationships, sales, direct sales. Again, a decent leader, like in that I, I care for my people and I'm, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm good at building relationships and maintaining those relationships. So if you separate the term leader and manager, mm-hmm. which one are you better at? Hmm. Um, I guess I'd have to think through that. I mean, on one aspect, I feel like I'm, I am a visionary. I like, I do have these like goals that I'm constantly pushing for. I'm probably learning to be a better manager. I think that would be. That would be you right. know, so a leader. Confrontation. A, a leader is, in essence, an influencer. A manager is someone who gets things done through other people. And to be a manager, you have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I know that's my weakness. I'm a much better leader than a manager. Um, listening to you, my sense is that you would be a, you would be more of a leader before a manager. Is that fair? Yeah, I haven't I haven't like thought that through like that like that split, but yeah, it's probably it's probably true. Anything? If if I was sitting in front of you, Jacob, and I said I want you to take thirty minutes, and I want you there's a whiteboard, and I want you to cast your vision of what this organization looks like at 125 stores. What the what is the center of the culture? What is the mission everybody is rowing in the same direction on? Could you do that for me right now? Do you want me to do it right now? I no, mean, I, no. I, could you, I think could it would you be... do it for me. Okay. Um, I think I could get like 80% of the way there. You know, like there's things that I could think I could probably do a better job pinning that down. Yeah. But I, there's, I have parts that I say, this is what it looks like. This is what I would like it to look like. I don't know if I could get it all nailed down though. Yeah. yeah. And it'll change, right? That's the piece. I guarantee yeah. you five years look different than what you map, but. You're, you are you are blessed in the fact that you are at the franchise or inflection point much sooner than most franchisors get. You right? go very quickly. Um, you are you are facing the reality of of uh, the future recognition of, of of that this is not scalable or repeatable. Right. You're probably also mm-hmm. subconsciously starting to grind on the fact that some tension is starting to grow in the franchise community. That's the part, right? And and so I know that I'm having to buffer that. That was one of the things. Um, the question is, have you are you setting a top-down approach to your strategy, or is this going to end up being bottom-up, right? So field leadership is a great example of that um, on on setting a vision for what it would look like. Uh, when I hear change the launch event to those components, those are areas that to me there's a there's a subtle undertone to them. Are you burning out? Oh, that's a good question. I'm an optimist, so no, but I just started counseling three months ago <laughs> to deal with anxiety. So my wife might say, you're not burning out, but you are burning. Yeah, like I think it's a relationships. You know, I do care a lot about my franchisees and just seeing people make bad choices, mm-hmm. seeing bad things happen to them. That is like probably the most challenging part of this job. So uh, I'm, I'm getting, Jacob, that it sort of seems like um, 
you've needed somebody to take things off your plate for quite a while. And, uh, you know, there's an old saying, what got you here won't get you there. You, you want to continue to grow uh, um, unless there's something effective and decisive done. Um, it's only going to get tougher. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways to look at that is, you know, you kind of draw an org chart and you say, okay, here are my needs. Here are my opportunities. Here would be the, the, the best uh, staffing model that I could have today. And then when I grow to such and such a point, I would add these people. One thing I'm wondering, because your time is the most valuable time in, in the whole company. There's nobody's time that's as important as yours because yours has the biggest impact. And when you're doing things that somebody else could do, you're basically taking from the company the best that you have to give. So here, here's one of the things I'm wondering. If you drew that org chart, say here would be the ideal. And you're kind of, you know, not thinking about today's reality, but what would it be if I could have it the ideal? The ideal for me is someone who's going to wear multiple hats like I'm wearing, good at operations, um, willing to travel. They start checking, the, the list starts to get a little long for this person. And I'm thinking, in my mind, I do that because I'm the owner that has skin in the game. Where am I going to find somebody that would be willing to do, like, put up with that? You know, like, at what price point is somebody willing to? do that and maybe they don't need to check all those boxes right maybe that's an error i'm making is well, i'm making that list and making it too long so with that mm -hmm. in mind jacob what are those things that only you can <laughs> i think the things that i do really well are communicating with the franchisees i think that's that goodwill um it's building that constant relationship and let me back um, up i want to clarify yeah. not the things you do well what are the things only you can do? Only. Different question. Not what do you do well? What are the things that only you can do? I think right now, which it wasn't in the list, uh, training, when I run the training, we have a week of training here in Spokane. That's four days a week, or uh, four days a month we do training. I run the training. Aaron does part of that. Um, so since training. I owned and operated a franchise, I'm the only person that can do that right now. Okay. I can talk through all those issues. Um, I'm sort of the, sort of the, you know, the field expert because again, going back to having, being the only person who's owned and operated a franchise in the field, Aaron's becoming more, so this is talented, Aaron's becoming better, more of an expert or learning more. She can take, she's taking on more of the sales consulting role. Um, I think going out in the field right now is the only thing that I can do. Like uh, I can send Aaron and Lee, our regional salesperson to go out and do ride alongs and do those. Um, they just won't be as good because they don't have as much experience. Do you have, is, um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get to what's driving your tension, right? So mm -hmm. just the fact that you have ideas on what you want to do with a company that you can't get to because you're time starved with the other tasks. Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, I think there's a lot of that. Like there's um, initiatives and things that I, you know, Glenn, you mentioned earlier, there's things that I actually get really excited about doing. And then there's things that just like, I think about them or I even start to do them. I'm like, this is going to suck my soul dry. Like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do, right, right like there, I had to do this for another hour. I was, 
So when you're doing that, are you implementing or are you ideating? When you find yourself in a um, moment of your soul is being sucked dry, right? Are you actually yeah. implementing things or are you still in vision mode? No, I'm implementing. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's like ops manual, you know, like to give you an example, our ops manual is like 240 pages long. I am the founder. I have not read the thing front to back. And I'm like, the thing just, I look at it, I'm like, who dare, who even reads that? I tell our franchisees, like, I don't even look at that. I try to do. Uh, Stop this is like, <laughs> what? What'd you say? Stop <laughs> telling them that. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't tell them that. I mean, but I just would say, hey, look at focus on your onboarding checklist. I, I, that's my personality. You know, if I'm going to do something and someone gives me a manual on how to assemble it, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like, just put the manual aside. I'll figure it out. Um, and that's like the things that really end up dry, like draining me is rules and procedures and processes. Um, I like the processes side of things, but. Um, it's the implementation and writing it out and um, taking all the data points. It's actually something I think Greg does really well at. If I was talking to your sister, would she say that you have towering empathy? What? Would she say towering. That you have towering empathy? Towering empathy. I don't know if she's really towering, but uh, I think she said, yeah, you're a pretty empathetic person. Is that why the franchisees yeah. resonate with you? Because you're yeah, I think we have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. So is the, yeah. the tough question is, is it really because you've operated a franchise or is it because you're empathetic and you see things from okay. the you? I think the fact that I have operated a franchise helps me, but it's, you know, obviously if I were like a cold and calculated individual, I probably wouldn't, you know, I think it's, it's both. But uh, it's probably the fact that I, they can come to me with a question and I have an answer that helps with the empathy. Okay. That. I'm, out. I'm out, John. Go for it. Jacob also wanted to have some ideas about how to hire, train, and retain staff at the franchise level. Yeah. So do you have a process in place for that right now? Like procedures that people we have a doc you know and we try to have a job description that they can post on indeed glenn has helped us a lot with like asking um behavioral questions versus just like you know would you say you're a hard worker yes all right all right well uh, yeah. of course you can say yes we tried to outline those questions that zero in on humble hungry curious and it was um with the technicians it's humble hungry curious problem solver you know that's a big thing it's like give us examples real life examples of where you've been this those are the skill sets that, the values and skill sets that you have identified yeah. as necessary. Okay. Yeah. 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 People who are not teachable. Like we had a couple of trainings ago. We had this franchisee came in, and again, we had provided feedback. I had before we even hired this person. I was like, you know, hey, this is potential red flags. No, 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 we got this. Okay, great. They come in and they just basically straight up told us in the first half an hour, like, we don't need help with sales. We got it. And it was kind of like a bit patronizing. We're like, oh, well, Aaron and I are like scrambling 60% of like training week is sales. So we're trying to like come up with ways to figure that amount. And they're like, honey, I got sales, you know, like. So why, why didn't we you send them home? And cancel? Um, yeah. No, I think it's like, we, I guess we're like, well, pain and frustration will be their teacher. So, um, I mean, we, we straight up asked them, if you want us to do a launch, we always send somebody out there, but we got the vibe from day one that they were like, we got this. 
So they said, hey, we're good. we normally send somebody out to do a two-day launch. And they're like, oh, we'd just be babysitting you guys. It's like, cool, we'll save the money. So uh, I'm, you're not going to like this question, Jake. <laughs> so do you feel like you were an effective steward? Uh, no. No, obviously not. I mean, you have but I can only do so much, have, right? Do you have any obligation in their success? I mean, I feel yes and no. I mean, you can only, right? You can only lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I felt I, like. Then I'll, then I'll hmm. ask it in a more business friendly way. Um, are you excited about the representation of your brand that they are going to extol in the marketplace? No, no. So why didn't you kick them out of training and rip up the franchise agreement? <laughs> Because we are 22 franchises at that point. I thought that ended up just like burning a lot of bridges. I mean, honestly, that's it. Like, because I'm a nice guy and yeah. decided not to, you know. Hey, if we had 100 franchises and I could say, hey, sorry, you're right. Because, you know, I know I can look into the future and be like, six months down the road or less, they can be like, this doesn't work. You guys, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, you straight up told us that you didn't need us. So. so of the 13 right. franchisees that sued me, they yeah. were that person. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't need us until our systems didn't work, and then it was always our, our fault. Yeah. So that's a piece where we can talk about that in the future. But those are to truly run a franchise system, you're gonna have to have a vicious defense of your other franchisees and your brand to the point that that confrontation will need to happen in the future. And yeah. And it's 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 what they're buying. It's what you're selling. Yeah. As a franchisee or you are selling systems and processes in a way to do things. And <laughs> someone shows up and says, "We got this. We don't need help with it." And it's like, "Doesn't matter if you think you can do that. We have our way of doing it and that's what you bought." And you're not allowed yeah. to go do it your way. If you do yeah. that, you don't need our franchise. Yeah. It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. We we can we can talk about it in the future, but the key is to figure out how to do that within your own value set, not confrontational. Yeah. And the key is to do it as an active service, right? That's what we had to do. You have to do it as an active service because this is why we took the term entrepreneurial out of, uh, it was in, when I took over Dream Dinners to do the turnaround, um, number one issue is they were looking for entrepreneurs. And I'm like, the last thing I want is an entrepreneur because they don't want to follow right. anybody's process, right? right. So, yeah. um, and they had a lot of those in the system. And, and the issue is how do you be strong within your values? And, and that's yeah. something that, that, you know, we can talk about in recommendations moving forward, but that's going to be a tough one for big hearted faith-based leadership. That degree yeah. is so hard. It is really, but why does surface experts exist? To repair small damage, nope. to take to take problems off people's plates. <laughs> why does why know. does it exist for you, your dad and your sister? I mean, it exists because I I don't know if this is more an existential question. I enjoy building organizations, building, and this is a great concept to build around. So your like faith a, and your values had had no real impact on why you started this business? No, I don't think they have the, the, the they steer the business, but that's not the, uh, yeah. it wasn't the reason why I picked yeah. this business. 
do you bring your faith into your business? Do your franchisees know your yeah. faith? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we don't hide that. We're not like looking to find people with similar faith, but we don't we don't hide it at all. Why do people join? So when someone signs up, uh, sign on the dotted line, and you say to them, uh, "What brought you here?" What's what's their answer? A lot of people say we love it because it's really unique, and we like the family feel. Like that's like kind of the two main things. We love that this is really unique; no one else is doing it, and um, we also hear like great margins, you know. Um, but they like the family feel of it. They like the fact that it's my dad, my sister. Or a tight-knit group here. Okay. Since all our questions are complete, let's share with Jacob um, the thoughts that you have, the ideas that you would uh, recommend he take a look at. J Jacob, this is a time for you to listen. You can ask questions um, if you if you need clarification. Uh, uh, John, let's start with you. What thoughts do you have uh, and advice to give to Jacob? Well, a couple, um, and you know, I think we've we've talked around them as we went through here. But one of my questions was on the decision makers, uh, and one of my thoughts was you will need either a body or a person to make those decisions, and it doesn't have to be you. Uh, so I was curious whether that uh, capability existed, and I think you said it did. Um, so one thing I'd separate myself from is agonizing, increasing your stress. Um, by making uh, all those decisions. You can give the guidance, you can be the uh, visionary and, and the rest of it, but if some uh, bad messaging has to happen, I'd, I'd turn uh, that over to the person that finds it more comfortable um, you know, than you do. The second thing um, is, you know, do some soul searching on the, on the founder thing. And we've talked a lot about that. Um, I, I think all the evidence has been in here. Give, give away stuff that uh, you really don't need to own. Uh, the question that John was pinging me on earlier was, have you gone to your team and said, hey, help, help me out here. What, what am I not seeing? Because I may never have had the opportunity to say, look, Jacob, uh, I, I could tackle this for you. You've just never asked. And I've, I've been afraid to bring it up. So I'd, I'd uh, look at my team. There may be more there than you think. And there, and there often, uh, often is. Um, the, the final part of my comment was, um, you know, I, I think uh, probably a very pragmatic I don't know what to call it necessarily like, you know, a business plan or a get out of jail plan, but something where you take a look at everything that's standing in your way. And I think to tell the truth, I think you've got a lot of the answers. Um, you just may not want to face them or uh, have not looked within the company to help, uh, you know, back you up on them. Uh, and I create a, a, a very practical plan to execute them. And I think, again, if you were honest with uh, where you're at, what you really know what to do with help from your team, you'd say, hey, here's one of our barriers. What are the three things we need to do uh, to get to this? Whether, whether it's hard to do it or not, um, you know, turn some of that over to the person that you just talked about that says, uh, you know, he, he can go out and, and, and give the tough messages. Joseph. Yeah, I had a couple of thoughts, one kind of high level and one really couple of really practical things. Um, how do you communicate? How can you communicate to them more clearly? This is a good tech. When you when you see a good tech, spot a good tech, what does that person look like? Not just, mm -hmm. not just stuff that you could find in the resume, but you know, if you were seeing an interview one on one with a tech, what are the questions you would ask? What are the responses you would look for? What are the the um, the aptitudes? not just skills, right, that, that you would look for in them. 
I know you talked a little bit about that, but really kind of codifying that. You, you talked about your your uh, your manual. It's 200 pages that nobody reads, <laughs> which is not unusual. Um, I you know my my background is in is in helping companies be nimble and quick and getting away from that kind of a an approach that's like oh we're going to document everything and it's going to be this 500 pound thing and, and nobody reads and really getting to the heart of things quickly and so I would look at how can I take that manual and make I don't know a series of videos three to five minute videos that teach people everything that they need to know that they go through and they can go back to right different than your training maybe and supplementary to your training but but stuff that people can continually go back and refresh themselves on oh yeah that topic that that thing nobody's going to read a manual you <laughs> you're absolutely right don't tell them not to read the manual but nobody's going to read it. It, it but but putting it in a way that's more consumable Right. And you can yeah. do that in a number of different applications or ways to do that. You can just do it on YouTube and just make the videos yeah. um, private and then give people a link to it. Yeah, no, that's a good, a good word. We, um, we do a number of those on breaking up our sales script into little chunks and we role play and we have these like three to five minute videos. And I think that maybe taking that to an operational side of things too, not just sales. Yeah. It's a good word. I'm a, I'm a continuous improvement process improvement, you know, systems guy myself. So Greg and I would get along really well. Um, one thing that I would recommend that you do is set a monthly cadence, a monthly meeting with uh, your executive team, at least your, your corporate team, at least that gets together and says, how are we working together and how can we improve that? Right. How is communication flowing between us and how can we improve that? And I would say on a quarterly basis, to do some kind of, you couldn't do a, a get together, but like some kind of survey or um, communication to all your franchise owners to say, how are we doing? And how can we work better together, right? So sending them a, a survey that says start, stop, continue. What things should we start doing differently? What things should we stop doing that we have been doing? And what things are we doing well that you like that we should continue doing? You don't have to do everything that they tell you to, but you'll get a lot of great ideas coming from the people who are on the streets doing the work. Great. Yeah. We, we actually have some really good um, from the salespeople and from our franchise owners um, with a survey that goes out. We're constantly awesome. kind of like anonymous. How are we, how do we, how's our support center doing better? How can we get better? So there's some good communication tools that way. Um, it's weeding through what are we going to focus on? What can provide the biggest amount of bang for the buck kind of thing? That is a, that's a challenge with that. Because everyone's got, and there's several very squeaky wheels out there. Yeah, uh, they're, they're what I call keystone ideas. Well-defined. Yeah, they have well-defined ideas of how we could be a lot better. <laughs> and, you know, they've been open for like two months. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, that's good. Good. Glenn. Thanks, guys. Glenn, tell us what you had, what you thought. I interviewed literally thousands of people in my in my career because I worked in big companies and opened new markets and stuff like that. And no matter what trainings I had over the years, I learned a lot more by evaluating my mistakes. Like, you know, I can't remember where I put my cell phone or my car key, but I have this ability to remember recruiting an interview questions and processes. And if I hired somebody and six months later, they're not working out, I would think, okay, how I know why they're not, not working out. I know what it is that is wrong here. 
How could I have fleshed that out? How to begin the vetting process. And that is what I learned a lot more from. And I think if you do that with your franchisees, even thinking back to previous ones that you brought on, if you had it to do over again, you wouldn't bring them on. What, you know, what can you take away from that? And you'll find that you, you'll build your own principles and, and some things you'll see go, this person looks fantastic, except they've got this one thing and that's a, that's a deal killer right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my recommendation here. Another, uh, another issue is finding and hiring good talent. It's very similar where you can help all your franchisees by understanding, um, you know, what are the good hires? What do they look like? And what were the mistakes? Why, and how could we have fleshed out what turned out to be a mistake? What, one of the things you can do is do exit interviews with people that flame out. Might It might not be the employee, it might be the franchisee, but you, there's a lot to learn from exit interviews. Um, hmm. uh, <laughs> I think of those exit interviews and with, with franchisees, we lost four during, um, during COVID and uh, those would be interesting interviews. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that could be good, could, could be terrible, <laughs> who knows. Glenn, Glenn, did you have more? Yep. Um, in the, in, in the uh, sort of combined thing of both being able to manage your time well and, and wrestling with, well, you're the only one, uh, you have to decide to make a plan, <laughs> a, a plan that's going to work. If you, if, if you have a good plan, you have an effective plan, work the plan, the plan will work. But, you know, what I would hate to see is six months from now, you're still wrestling with the same thing, except it's a lot worse now. Um, one other thing, I think, uh, uh, some coaching for you in healthy conflict where you're able to bring the truth in love, so to speak, where you can bring a hard truth, which might be to somebody who wants to open a franchise and they're not the right one, um, where you can tell them, you can articulate why, but you're able to do it in such a way where they know that. You really care about them and respect them. Because then when you when you know you can enter conflict that way and and you can and you should know that uh, you need to be able to enter conflict, um, that, you know, that's part of being a leader, part of being a manager. But when if you know you can do it in such a way that you can come across in a way that says, I care about you. I'm not firing you because <laughs> I don't care about you and I respect you and I wish you well, but here's the reasons why. Does that make sense? You could do that. I, I yeah. believe you could do that. Great. Yeah. That's it for me. Thank you, Glenn. Okay. Thanks, Glenn. Darren. Yeah, has some awesome stuff in there. Um, uh, there are so many challenges in the franchise model that, that just simply don't apply to other aspects of business. Right. Um, it's an animal. It's literally an animal. It can be very purposeful for a strong relational, uh, relationally gifted leader. But um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on three points that I'm taking away. And, and I say this, uh, by the way, John, thanks for bringing it. This was a lot of fun, man. I've been running companies for a while and I haven't been able to participate in many of these. Uh, I love this process. I really do. Um, 
Uh, I, I've said it in every, in every assessment I've ever done, Jacob, I don't know if I'm 57% correct or 84% correct, right? So you gotta, you gotta process through this. But for me, there were three really definitive takeaways. One is you're lacking a mission. For such a heart-led, um, faith-centered family, um, you're lacking a mission. And, and, and yeah, mission, vision, purpose, values. I mean, every company, we put the poster on the wall. I'm going to tell you there isn't a segment, a business segment, where it is more important than the franchise world. Because without a mission, um, a clearly defined mission on why you exist and, and what your what your desire as a family is for the impact of this business to have on people, whether that is a secular statement or a kingdom statement, right? You guys decide. But if you don't have a clear and defined mission, then you don't have um, you don't have a compass in which to make decisions against. And that was the magic we had in turning around dream dinners is that there was a very defined mission. Um, but the mission needs to govern every major decision you make around people. And when you don't have it, you're void of, of the ability to navigate those decisions because they always just fall back to monetary, right? And if they're monetary, there's a great book, um, Jim Senegal, not Stengal, not the Costco founder, but Jim Senegal uh, wrote a book called Grow. It's a very powerful book in this regard. And the fact of breaking companies out into three categories, did a, a massive research project in relation to the financial performance, shareholder return on companies that were monetary centric, traditional business values, companies that were businesses that developed a mission as good business versus companies that were mission led, the financial performance of those organizations dwarfed the other two categories. Um, ironically, when not business focused, when not financially focused, their financial performance was off the charts because it, what's re it's what resonates with humanity, right? Um, but franchise relations needs to be centered on the mission. How do you vet franchisee prospects? One of your challenges is when you develop a franchise partner, which I love that model, by the way, with franchise scale, because it eliminates your liability so much. If you guys are involved in the franchise sale, there is, you will be sued. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you will be sued. Whether it was the truth or the not, or not, doesn't matter. Um, protecting yourself by insulating you from, from that is huge. But franchise sales organizations like Franchise Scale, they're compensated to bring in the sale. They'll have some retention element, six months, 12 months, whatever, right? But they're not motivated for long-term fit. They're motivated to bring in the sale. So if you don't have a mission-centric application, if you don't have really defined attributes of what a future franchisee is for surface experts, they're just going to keep bringing you transactions and you're going to end up degrading your brand and you're ultimately going to end up in court. Right. It's it's so hard to explain. I think deep down you understand it um, based on just your awareness and empathy listening to you talk. But um, this is why it's hard for your franchisees to to find and retain talent, because you're not cascading a mission down through those locations that gives them the clear attributes that they're trying to hire. Right. In my franchise system, my franchisees knew exactly based on every job description they had. What was the avatar of the person you're looking for? What were their behavior sets, right? Um, what, where were, what was their missional connection? And if they didn't connect to our mission, no matter what their resume said, you didn't hire them because they're just there for financial reasons, right? So much in relation to the relational um, work that you're doing cascades through this process. I would just challenge you to figure out how to connect 
your heart into why the company exists and then figure out how to brand that throughout the organization and every decision you make around people. And I'm going to tell you, that is the towering number one. Would you please uh, share with Jacob what the mission statement for Dream Dinners was? Yeah, it was, uh, well, our, our, we had a cascading component, but our, our, our mission was homemade made easy. Um, our purpose that cascaded from that mission statement was to serve a nation and serve the kingdom by bringing America back around the dinner table where children can be developed, nurtured, and grown into be positive influences in their communities, right? You and I'm going to tell you, it was really easy to hire to that, Ooh. right? And and if somebody came in and they weren't, they didn't recognize that moms were in despair, they couldn't feel the pain of mom and the guilt and the conviction of getting uh, of her not being able to get her her family around the table and connected, where they can deploy all of the attributes that come, the ability to debate, the ability to to understand manners, everything that comes from what we're lacking in society today. If they didn't resonate with that message, I don't care how good they were, we simply didn't hire them. Often we would go to the third person in our profile on who we thought was the best fit for the job. And we would go to number three and extend the offer there because they emotionally connected to why we do what we do. So that's a big one. There's a lot more in there, but I, and I'm pushing on an area I don't know you very, very well, Jacob. So um, that may just not resonate with you, but it would- no. So far. Oh, I was going to say something. Yeah, go. I was going to say something. I didn't, I didn't share this. This might answer it real quick. I'm going to walk over here and grab something and come right back. So we have a statement of purpose that we put together as a group a while back. And I think the challenge that I have that I think is common and that I hear other people that deal with this, and I'm even looking for it, like we laminated it and everything. We have a statement of purpose with our mission statements and all that, is connecting that, connecting it with all these. Like, you know, like we have this, like, Glenn, we read it to you, the statement of purpose and all these values that we look for. And then I am like, cool, that's what we believe in. <laughs> Next. And I think that's like, there's a big disconnect there between our statement of purpose and who we are and what we're about. And it's not that we're contrarily, like we're working against that. Those are like our core beliefs, but they're not being like preached over and again. And there's not a direct connection with like, and this is how you hire, and this is how you, you know. Right. And so I, I'm hearing you say this, and I'm thinking, where's that thing I laminated that we, like, yes. talked about a lot for like, three months, you know? For, in the 11 years I ran Dream Dinners, I never gave a speech at a convention. I never spoke publicly at a major event in public speaking. I never visited a franchise community, and I never went through a leadership meeting where they didn't hear me speak to the mission. Yeah. And it never gets old. When it truly resonates at a heart level, then you know you're there, right? So you get that. I think the piece is just whether it resonates, whether it hits you to heart, at, 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 truly at that heart level. I think number two, and this is the one that's going to be easier to recognize, I don't think you personally need to offload anything. I think you're simply lacking the integrator, right? You have too many things. When you're empathetic like you are, Jacob, you have a, a massive list of things that you want to do to impact this business, but you simply are grinding in the fact that you're never getting to what you need to get to. And you're, you feel likely despair, um, anxiousness, frustration, procrastination. It probably impacts your home life. It's probably impacting your marriage because you just simply can't do what you know people need you to do, right? 
the issue is, is every visionary must have an integrator. And let me tell you from personal experience, where I have failed, I didn't have one. Where I have succeeded, I had a great one, right? Casting a vision top down, what you want this company to be, will protect you from coming into an agreement, which is what visionaries do, by the way, coming into an agreement with a franchisee that offers the help. And now you end up in a structure that wasn't part of the vision, right? Um, you got a pain point in regional or field leadership. Um, first person to present a solution to a visionary becomes your vision, right? Um, that happens when you don't have an implementer because you don't, you know, you're never going to get to change. So you start grasping, I'm speaking from personal experience, you start grasping on the idea that you know is actually a good idea, but it's not vetted. So we just do it. And then we find ourselves in difficult structural alignments. Um, the big question I would have in regards to this topic is, do you actually have that person already on staff in grid? And you just need a controller. Yeah, he's good at certain areas, but not, like, I don't know if this implementer, you know, yes, in certain areas, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know him. Controller, yeah, they're often more into the numbers than they are necessarily into that. Yeah, an implementer is a kernel. Right. So what a visionary is, is a general and most privately held companies have generals and lieutenants. The problem is generals cast a big strategy. They cast big vision, specifically if they're empathetic. Right. And then they cast mm -hmm. that big strategy and there's no kernels through captains to receive it. And they don't take that general's vision and put it into a battle plan. The general just tells the lieutenants, go take Baghdad. The lieutenants go like, what, what the hell does that mean? Right? I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. When just do, do I do I shoot now? Do I pull the trigger? Tell me when to pull the trigger. Right? Um, there has to be an individual that casts your vision through to implementation, and and whoever that person is. What's interesting is it sounds like you have excellent implementation on the sales system side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who did that, and how do you replicate that? across the operational elements of the business and the franchise systems, right? And I think the, mm -hmm. the, third, the third area is an extension of that. I would not do it until you find that person, but you have to now move. This is that, this is that tension of a franchise system as you're moving to scale, is you've got to move from relational to process. You will always be relational, but it is now all about the process. It is, you've got to restrain from changing quickly you got to slow down change, right? Um, a, people can't absorb it. You might be able to, right? Um, but, but they can't. So you got to slow down change, right? Um, you got to pick what's the one thing I'm going to go do and make sure you have the team equipped to vet that out, own the execution, right? Um, in there, through your leadership process and team, you've got to define what are the key processes. We called it a parking lot process. We said, what's everything we need to fix? We spent four hours brainstorming. We wrote it every, everything on a wall. And then we bracketed them together. And it went from 117 items down to 39 things we needed to fix in the company. And then we ranked them, one through 39. And we started, we put them in a parking lot and we pulled them over. When we had a new idea, we put it into the parking lot. But when we put it into the parking lot, we had the slot, where was it in the rank order priority, right? That's what an implementer needs to be around to do. If you don't have that person, don't step into this process, right? Because you're just going to feel in doing it. Um, but your field leadership should fall underneath your implementer, right? Um, 
This is where things like you need a central intranet, you need to develop a community around your franchisees, you need to expand your franchise systems. Don't do that without an implementer, right? Um, franchise advisory council, don't do that and, and scale it without an implementer because somebody has to execute this stuff. What you're sensing right now is the tension of the fact that you're coming up against your barriers to scale and you don't have a solution for it. I think cast your vision, cast your mission and your purpose, communicate them across the organization, find an integrator, and then tackle the rest. Excellent okay. advice. Jacob, okay. I, I've got just a couple things to, to add. On the practical side, I'm not, I don't think you have clearly identified the criteria of success for your franchisees or technicians or salespeople underneath. There's, there's work that can be done to pull those who are being successful and identifying what are the things that make them successful. The work that uh, uh, Glenn was talking about in terms of when one flames out, go back and figure out why and look to see for trends. So there is, and I think this is important to, to get clear around what is it that someone needs to have to be successful. You've already identified artistic sounded like it might be something, but there are some drawbacks potentially to that. So you have some ideas, but I don't think they have been tested truly to determine are they the right thing. So I think that that's very important that you can, that you figure that out. I think it's, and to echo some of what has been said about the systems and the process, with a fr as a franchisor, that's what you're selling. You're selling system and process. And so being clear and consistent with that is, is critically important. If you don't do that, it's gonna come back. They're gonna, they're gonna leave at some point. You have to be able to yeah. say, we do this our way. You had training when you were door-to-door -door sales. They told you this is the way to do it. You adopted it, you followed it, you had success. You have people who come to you and say, oh no, we know how to do this better. It's like, no, we do it this way here. If you wanna be part of it, our team, you have to do it this way. And you're going to have to maintain those boundaries clearly and strongly, but you have to have faith in your systems to do that. I think that's critically important. One last thing, Jacob, is that uh, you need to get real clear about what are the things that only you can do. And if you're gonna scale this company, the things that you are doing in terms of interacting, of, of training, of uh, talking and, and making field uh, uh, visits, those are all things that you're the only one to do them right now, but ultimately you can train others to do it and you have to, or you can't scale. The things that you can't give up, you should never give up. One, are, one is the vision, casting the vision about where your company is going and what you want that to look for. And identifying, hiring and training the leadership to execute against that vision. And then the last piece is the culture. It's that, it's that mission, it's that why do we, what do we do and why do we do it? And that culture cascades from the top. So you have to own it. Don't abdicate either any of those three things, but everything else you want to be able to train others to do because that's how you can scale. If you don't, you're gonna at some point become a choke point and, and prevent your company from scaling further because you only have so much bandwidth. So it's, yeah. it's you're at that inflection point where you need to shift from doing to figuring out how to train others to do. And 
if you do it at a 100 level, you may never be able to train anybody to do it better than at an 80 level. But you train five people at 80 level, there's still four times more than you can do by yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to figure that part out. Yeah. All right. Yep. So we've had Good. a lot of things that we shared with you today. And as we close here, I'd really love to hear from you what you've heard, what resonated, what your takeaways are, what you're going to do. Well, so I've been taking notes contrary to what you asked me to do, because it's good to take notes for me. Um, you know, I think the, the couple overlapping things is revisit our purpose and mission. Where are we at with that? Uh, I think one thing that I need to do, as I've heard you guys talk, is I need to do an offsite with our leadership. We need to get together. We did one, oh, almost a year ago. We have not done one since. Was a good annual? So we need an offsite. Yeah, we need to start pinning up all those tasks, what we're good at, who does what. We need to start defining. I'd like to follow up with Darren about what a good integrator looks like. What do you look for in qualities in a good integrator? Um, so there's a lot of these little tasks here that I can bang out a better job. I can paint a better picture of what a good tech and good salesperson looks like. These are all tasks, but I think um, – Really, what I need to do is having this offsite where we can get together and start assigning things um, because my sister could do a really good job telling out what a good salesperson should look like, and Otis knows what a good tech should look like. And so um, I don't need to be doing that necessarily. Um, so I think the big thing is getting that offsite, relooking at our mission, and making sure that is true to what we are now. You know, we read through a couple of really great books early on, and I think just being more advanced in our process is taking another look at that, making sure if that's mm -hmm. a good vision. So, and in that integrator position, finding out more from that. Fabulous. So this has been very helpful guys. I, I appreciate you guys' insight and good questions. It is fun. It is uh, it's the adventure that is business, right? So it is a very fun thing to talk about. It is. Jacob, thank you so much for your, your, uh, transparency today. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and a little bit about your business. I hope we've uh, added some value to you and we look forward to uh, uh, checking back in and, and seeing the progress that you've been making. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you, you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you for joining us today. On well, Jacob, maybe you could just start because we did this uh, back in uh, 2020 when we filmed this and recorded yep. this, um, but there were a couple of things that came apart, uh, came up there at the end, the idea of, of bringing the team together for an offsite, getting clear around the mission and the clarity, uh, and then talking about uh, uh, finding that integrator implementer. Um, what's, what's changed? What's happened? What have you done since we uh, originally recorded all this? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we've actually implemented quite a bit. So we did a offsite meeting. Um, we all got together, we were able to share. We actually flew in one of our guys who was out of town and we kind of all got together and, um, you know, defined roles a little bit more. I think we spent a good bit of time on that vision and mission. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm watching this again for, like, you know, looking back at it and I'm looking even just like uh, that vision and mission the most problematic franchisees that we have right now, there's this clause in our mission statement that we defined 
um, talking about putting relationships first and man, you know, building great teams and like, they don't do that. And that's, <laughs> there's a, there's an underlying, you know, so that, that would have, um, even just in the discovery day process where you're adding franchisees and you're vetting them, wondering if they're going to be a good franchisee, asking them questions like, give me an example of when you developed an outstanding team and like talk to me about those relationships with people. That would probably have been, that would probably be a great question mm -hmm. to add to our discovery process. So uh, our mission we created, it says our mission is to develop outstanding teams by investing in strong relationships. Together we work to solve customers' problems by reducing the waste of time, money, and landfill. So like that last little bit, we're kind of tweaking. And then the vision is to establish and lead nationally recognized market for surface repair as an alternative to replacement or complete refinishing. Our goal is to be represented in every major metropolitan area and for our brand to be synonymous with, one away from it, our brand to be synonymous with spot repair amongst all the facilities and maintenance management. So again, it's uh, way better than what it was before. I mean, can always, I think, probably improve, but that started to kind of trickle its way into how we're hiring and then some of the decisions that we're making, um, making things a little bit easier. And our org chart has changed a little bit as well. So I don't know how much you want me to talk about. There's actually been quite no, a bit of things. That, that actually, Jeff actually asked that question. Tell us a little bit about what your org chart is and what you've done to free up some time and delegate tasks. Well, so when I was talking with you guys, we had, um, you know, one of the main issues that I kept dealing with was travel and travel is like, it still is an issue. I'll be traveling a lot in two weeks. Um, we had somebody who was doing regional account sales and they didn't really want to travel. They were a great person as far as meeting our culture, but they really weren't interested in traveling. And um, she let us know that she was going to take a different job in December. And on one hand, I was really bummed. On the other hand, I was like, well, that's going to open up some cap space. We were spending a lot of money on, uh, on her. And let's redefine that role as somebody who's willing to travel and do these launches. That would free me up big time. Um, I could still do on-site visits um, and bunch them together and do a bunch like, you know, three or four in a week. And that's fine. Um, but I could not do launches and on-site visits. And so this will help this like defining this person's role and making them take on more of that traveling burden and also uh, sales training um, will be really, really helpful. Glenn and I actually met about that last week about right. kind of defining that role in well, the future. And there are some questions out there about uh, hiring and finding the right folks. And Glenn, what maybe you could expand a little bit on on some of that you know what are the the aspects that uh, you worked with jacob and and uh the things that you guys are looking out for when when hiring yeah uh, so there are step several steps in the process and jacob and i've been working on that together so uh it kind of starts with attracting the kind of people you really want so that has to do with how you know, where you're connecting with those people. And uh, in, if they're looking at some type of a document, rather than just say all the expectations 
that would be on the franchisee give them some reasons why this would be a really attractive opportunity to check out. And um, so in after the initial contact, before you bother getting together with, uh, you know, to begin the formal interview process to um, do a, a Zoom or a, or a phone call and uh, do a cultural fit uh, interview. It's, uh, it's relatively short, it's maybe 20 minutes, but it helps you determine if in fact that person is going to be a cultural fit because if they're not it's not worth going any further that's great yeah and then from there in the in the interviews uh to know what you're looking for and then have effective questions planned so that you can ask those questions and find out what you're really looking for and bring to the surface um, aspects of what you don't want or what you know are sort of deal killers. Uh, then, you know, there's more to the vetting process. Uh, it's looking into other aspects of their background, talking to people that have worked with them or for them uh, in the past to find out, uh, you know, what they're like in the workplace. Just, again, to see more, you know, you want to get as much information about that person as you can. Uh, to determine if they're really going to be good because so many times most of the things can look good, but there only has to be one or two dynamics that really would make them uh, a poor franchisee that you wouldn't want to have. So fleshing them out and then um, uh, getting some um, additional opinions in there. In other words, you certainly wouldn't want Jacob to be the only one that's going to interview him. Right, right. Uh, You know, other people on his staff, certainly his sister. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So uh, thank you. We we had some questions about the marketing of the franchises, Jacob, and and, uh, what you're doing to support and and help i mean you've got a broker who's a franchise broker selling lots of different types of franchises um but what do you do to differentiate your franchise within all the stable that that they are uh taking to market floyd was asking that question yeah so uh you know we we are connected with multiple franchise um network broker networks and i think the big thing that really separates us and and you know i'm not the expert on this we have a franchise developer who is in-house who like we you know he's sort of a a partner with us in that in this regards he is really doing a lot of this but i'll I'll give you kind of like my two cents on it i think what separates us is we have a mobile service model which is attractive to people it's low overhead whatever and he has a great background of like our franchise developer has a great background of um building out concepts and doing a great job and this is where you know fortune providence whatever you want to call it i think shined on us and that we got connected with a really good developer who does a good job and he's got a proven track record of taking a one-shop concept and building out a brand. Um, right. And so, yeah, that's how I answer that. All right. Um, Lance had a couple of questions about going back to finding out what you do and only you can do and um, how you've defined those things, focused them in and, and what you're doing to free yourself up to focus just on those. 
Yeah, and this is a work in progress. Um, but I, you know, I found myself doing a lot of things where um, I was, I realized I was putting things off. Like I needed to train someone more. And if I could just train them up enough, they could actually take that all together. You know, a lot of times where you're like, it's easier for me to just deal with it versus like take the long amount of time to train somebody. Uh, give an example, our support center, the um, right now our support center is made up of, you know, multiple people who take inbound calls and they're trying to say, we say yes to that repair, no to that repair. This franchisee has got a question, that franchisee. And I'm being kind of like the Q and A guy. And now what we're doing is, really taking time each week to do training for them and then putting, lifting up one of them to be the support center manager, who's going to be sort of like the, you know, the person that's in charge of the support center. And that's going to free me up, but it's going to be a process also to train them. So it's kind of like one step backwards to two steps forwards. That's the, the goal there. So, and as far as things that I really enjoy doing, which is the, um, one-on-one -on -one with the, the franchisees. And I think Darren called it ideation or like coming up with ideas. It allows me that more time to kind of start thinking through what are, what are the problems that we're trying to solve and what are some solutions and then working with my team to implement it versus like, you know, trying to implement in every different like right. discipline. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. Well, that uh, pretty much wraps up what we've got here today. Uh, Jacob, thank you very much for uh, uh, coming on and, and sharing your story and allowing us to uh, uh, learn about your business. We appreciate that. Um, thanks to all the panelists. Any, any last words from uh, any panelists before we uh, say thanks today? Thank you all. Thank you guys. Thank who you. have uh, held on and through the Q&A, basically all our, everybody who got here is still here. So thanks very much, folks, and look forward to uh, uh, future deep dives that you'll see uh, coming out in the coming months. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on this Tactive Deep Dive episode. If you'd like to learn more about Tactive or be a guest on the Deep Dive in the future, please go to www.tactive.com. That's www.tactive.com.